Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. National Signing Day is tomorrow, or at least what's kind of become of National Signing Day. That's tomorrow. Early signing period opens up. That's big for Georgia. As you might imagine, we're heavy on that topic on today's show. We'll get to a lot of that coming up in just a moment, including some additional clarity on a name that Georgia might be chasing. We'll have all of that for you coming up here in just a few minutes' time. Also, great guests on today's show. Jake Fromm, the former Georgia quarterback before we're done. Connor Riley on a lot of the news run the program here in a few minutes as well. But before any of that, though, if you don't, want to, if you don't mind, I want to begin this way here. Looking at Georgia and Ohio State and what it's going to take for the dogs to get it done. Now, this is a game in which I feel pretty confident that Georgia can win, will win. I do expect a pretty stiff challenge from Ohio State. I believe that Ohio State's won of the handful of best teams in the country certainly from a preseason poll standpoint they were viewed to be that way obviously they lost their most recent game we're all i think uh potentially candidates to fall prey to, to recency bias and maybe there's a an exaggeration of just how vulnerable ohio state is right now because we all saw them lose their most recent game but if we want to go back to a year ago uh, you could have potentially right before the college football play. I've been guilty of doing the same thing for Georgia. In fact, some people were guilty of that. We saw Georgia lose in the SEC championship to Alabama. A lot of folks thought that meant they were doomed in the college football playoff. And the rest, of course, was history. I am by no means telling you that's what's going to happen for Ohio State here this year. But I am going to tell you, hey, be careful assuming that everything you need to know about Ohio State, you learn by watching them in the fourth quarter against Michigan. There's a lot more data points for the season to consider than just the most recent ones here. So the another way of kind of saying that, maybe a more sync fashion is, is that while I expect Georgia to win against Ohio State, I do believe that Georgia needs to be at its best to do so. When I start thinking about what the recipe is for Georgia being at its best, there are really a handful of players that come to mind for me on this. And the headline here today says the five players that are the most important for Georgia in this game. As I have a tendency to do, I'm going to kind of cheat here a little bit. I'm not quite so sure we're going to get officially five. It may be seven. It may be four. But but there's there's a, there's a handful of players for Georgia that I think are really, really crucial in this game uh, coming up against Ohio State. I'm actually going to use the word words of Ohio State coach Ryan Day to help set the stage for some of this because to me I want to begin with somebody that Ryan Day when he met with the reporters talked about last week I don't believe that there's any player for Georgia more important against the Buckeyes than Jalen Carter now Carter's already been in the news a lot over the course of the last week we know the silly things that Todd McShay tried to push and put out there on him and we've suspected that might lead to a extra level of motivation for a guy like Carter against Ohio State those of us who are Georgia fans we certainly hope that's the case uh, the last time we saw Jalen Carter he was parading the other team's quarterback around like a trophy we'd love to see what he has planned for an encore if he really is kind of fired up because some draft analyst is trying to uh, malign his character on national television so we hope that puts Jalen Carter in a bad mood because frankly Jalen Carter in a bad mood Jalen Carter with a little bit of an edge to him uh, that's a pretty fun football player to watch but also when you think about the best overall recipe for Georgia winning a game like this 
leaning on your true impact game-changing defensive players is obviously a really important part of all this and last week uh, a lot of the Ohio State media maybe just getting acquainted with what exactly the Georgia roster brings to the table uh, figuring out whoa this Jalen Carter is a pretty good looking player he may be one of the top five top three top pick overall in the upcoming NFL draft and I thought that Ryan Day when he met with reporters briefly last week was asked an interesting question how much does your offensive game plan require you to be aware of Jalen Carter and kind of trying to call plays maybe neutralize what a guy like Carter does for this Georgia defense and Day went into some kind of detail a little bit about how he views the 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 impact of a potential star in this game like Jalen Carter that's what Ryan Day said about him well, he's he's very explosive, very disruptive. Um, he's in the backfield a lot, so you got to know exactly where he is all the time. Um, plays really, really hard. Plays a good leverage. Um, like you said, one of the best tackles in the, in the country, one of the best football players in the country. You can see it. He's very, very productive. So uh, it'll be a big challenge for our guys up front, and we'll have to know exactly where he is. We've talked about the idea of like superstar players before, and while the Georgia defense this year, I think, has played admirably in light of all that it lost off last year's team. I think the one thing we can say about this Georgia defense right now, especially with a guy like, say, Nolan Smith injured and not playing, is that Georgia probably has less of those sort of superstar-level players defensively than they had last season. National award winners, first-round picks. However you measure all of this, Georgia just doesn't have quite as many of those right now as it did a year ago. There have been guys emerge. I think Christopher Smith is an example of that. A guy who's given you an almost superstar level of play, despite the fact he didn't have that kind of fame to begin this season. So Georgia's had guys step up. But in terms of being what Georgia had last year, game records across the board, maybe this year's defense just built a little bit differently than that. I think that even the most uh, you know enthusiastic Georgia supporter might be willing to admit that. But Jalen Carter, though, is the kind of player that is every bit that description. And Ryan Day says that, hey, he's one of the best players in the country, regardless of position. He's in the backfield frequently. I think that's the phrase that you heard Ryan Day use there a moment ago. And I would believe that a, a version of Georgia at its best includes the big game from Jalen Carter where he's making the impactful superstar type plays he's being effective in the pass rush which means he himself gets the quarterback or he just sort of shatters the pocket so much that somebody else gets the quarterback but the best version of Georgia includes a Jalen Carter who's now fully healthy or at least we're led to believe fully healthy playing at his maximum possible level wreaking the most havoc he possibly can and if for some reason Ohio State either because of its clever play calling or just effective blocking or whatever else if Jalen Carter is neutralized in this game against Ohio State then as a Georgia fan I think you're led to believe gosh our chances of winning this game have just gone down that if you talk about Georgia getting a win or as some of you've called for sort of the easy win in this game to me any formula that adds up to that kind of calls upon a really really big game from Jalen Carter so on any list of who Georgia needs big games from against the Buckeyes I believe that Jalen Carter has got to be the top of that and I believe that his motivation to be that after what was said about him on TV last week you have to imagine that's probably pretty high now to stick with Ryan Day here for a moment and to go to the other side of the ball here Day was also asked when he met with the reporters last week about guys like say Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington that's the position group that Georgia has that's probably honestly deeper than anybody else in the in the world right now and obviously day has noticed that too so as we're making our list of hey who does Georgia need big games from we would say Jalen Carter defensively that's got to be that guy I would say next on my list both in terms of how these guys play but also how the Georgia coaches choose to use them to me it's a Brock Bowers it's a Darnell Washington you gotta have big games from those guys as well they are very important players 
against Ohio State. And Ryan Day last week also talked about them too. Well, Bowers is, is you know can do so many things. He's very versatile, and, and uh, Darnell's really just a, uh, a massive human being who can just uh, overwhelm you with his size and athleticism. Um, so you know, I think the first thing is their versatility. Second, for their uh, physicality, and you know, anytime you can do multiple things as a receiver, running back, or as a tight end, then you can create mismatches. And I think they they both do that. So that's Ryan Day telling you why he views Darnell Washington as being so important and why uh, he views Brock Bowers in the same light. And this is one of those things where, you know, I think the the wish for Georgia fans, and for the most part this year we've seen this wish granted, especially against LSU. You got Darnell Washington involved in that game in a way you really had not uh, earlier this season. The clever two-point conversion play, obviously the touchdown, beautiful uh, route that he ran, got the touchdown there on that. And then listen, Brock Bauer is one of the five or ten best players in this entire country. He really is. There's uh, very, There are very few players in this nation that I would even consider trading Brock Bowers for when it's all said and done I don't believe there's anybody I'd actually swap for him that is how dominant I believe that Brock Bowers can be and George at its best means utilizing him as much as you possibly can yes the defense knows that's what you're trying to do doesn't matter he is still proven to be very difficult to stop even in situations like that so once again if we believe that georgia needs to be at its best to beat a team the caliber of ohio state the version of georgia that is its best includes a lot of brock bowers a lot of darnell washington being clever uh, about how you you get him involved but also being a little bit stubborn to keep coming back to them and making sure that before you do anything else offensively you make sure your biggest potential mismatches are getting fed to the degree they should be that means a lot for bowers that means a lot from washington i'm really looking forward to seeing how this georgia coaching staff uses them in a game like this and then there's this and if we were to say and let's say you know sometimes like say a dog nation cruise we might sit around and do this or you know somewhere where georgia fans are kind of getting together you may have this conversation if we look back on 2021 for a moment look back at the national championship game in particular and we were to say hey why is it that georgia won the national championship game you may have a lot of different people who say a lot of different things you know there's obviously a lot to be taken from a game like that but i don't believe it'd be very long to that conversation before somebody would make the uh uh i guess the the the, the point of giving credit to Broderick Jones, who came in that game at tackle, and we know that Jamari Salyer slid over to guard. At that point in time, the Georgia offensive line started to feel a little bit different. It asserted itself more in the running game. It set up Georgia for some big offensive plays, and all of a sudden, Georgia regains the lead, and the rest was their history. But the decision to put in Jones and kind of remake that Georgia offensive line right there on the spot, I think that was just an instrumental moment in how Georgia won the national championship. And as you start thinking about this year's push for a second national championship go for two and 22 as we say around here i think a guy like broderick jones becomes very important again but this time for a different reason he has been established as a starter all year but now his counterpart on the other side warren mcclendon we don't yet know how healthy warren mcclendon is we may not know too much about this until we get a lot closer to the game and knowing that mcclendon's at least a little bit banged up banged up enough that we're wondering about it that may put more pressure on a guy like broderick jones to kind of play at a national championship level for georgia on that other tackle spot or or maybe it becomes one of these scenarios where the storyline last year was broderick jones being inserted and what he provided uga when he was inserted let's say we know we certainly hope this is not the case but let's say that warren mcclendon really isn't healthy enough to be at his best for georgia maybe he's not healthy enough to be able to play at all if that were the case 
then all of a sudden does Amarius Mims become this year's version of what Broderick Jones was a year ago a guy who steps into the offensive line and allows Georgia to be at its best when it needs to be in order to win a national championship either way the one thing we would say is is that the georgia offensive line is going to have a lot of attention on it and we said this weeks ago that down the stretch between all these teams that are competing for playoffs the offensive line that plays the best among this group is going to be the one that actually leads its team to the national title now the joe moore award which just came out it's acknowledged michigan is the best offensive line in the country this year they were that last year too although they did not show it against georgia uh but the the award folks are telling us that it's michigan that's got the best offensive line but georgia over the course of the next two games has a chance to show that it's actually the nation's best offensive line and that's why guys like broderick jones or possibly amarius mims who you may have to see more of that's why guys like that are going to be so important down the stretch here against ohio state and against whatever comes next maybe michigan for the national title now with that in mind cole kublik's an sec network analyst he's also kind of on the committee i guess for the joe moore award he's very involved in all of that he actually visited with mike griffith last night on on the b and talked about why it was that the Michigan offensive line got the nod over Georgia in terms of winning the Joe Moore Award. And while Kublik explains that, he certainly has a lot of nice things to say about UGA. So let's use Cole's words here to kind of bolster the point we're making, which is that the Georgia tackles, whether it be Broderick Jones or Amarius Mims, maybe stepping in place if Warren McClendon is uh, not healthy, that these are very important players for Georgia down the stretch. This is what Cole Kublik said last night, but the comparison between Georgia and Michigan to be the nation's best offensive line. Here's Cole. The way that I looked at it this year is, is really and truly like just choosing between your favorite flavor of ice cream. Like if you're a chunky kid like me growing up, um, you know, some people like the flavor of ice cream that was super technical, super fundamental, uh, understanding footwork, hat placement, hand placement, you know, assignment, football, working together, shoulder to shoulder, staying square, working up a combination block to the second level. Whereas other people kind of like me may enjoy uh, the gladiator style of football just a little bit more. Uh, you know, they, they want to see people be bludgeoned. And it's something that I have, not that I don't appreciate technique and fundamentals, but I, for me, that's just what I enjoy watching a little bit more. That's where I think Georgia really excelled. Guys 15, 20, 30 yards down the field, tracking the football, finishing blocks. Uh, guys on screen plays, taking corners and linebackers, you know, escorting them to the bench area five yards out of bounds, you know, punishing people to the ground, finishing plays. That's what I enjoy watching. I think Georgia embodied that a little bit more than Michigan did this year, but collectively from start to finish consistently, uh, the majority of the people who voted for our award uh, decided that Michigan uh, was the better offensive line from start to finish. Let me just say one thing here very briefly, and this is going to sound like spin control. It probably is. You hear Cole Kublik say, ah, the uh, Michigan offensive line, it's technique, it's fundamentals, it's, you know, polished level of play. Georgia's a little bit more of a street-fighting offensive line. As important as technique and fundamentals are, and they clearly are important because Georgia has said that's what they've been working on in practice over the course of the last however many weeks, trying to sharpen the saw here a bit and be at its best from a fundamental standpoint. I do not believe you're going to fundamental your way to a national championship. I do not believe you're going to technique your way to a national championship. Now, if you have bad technique, you may lose, but I don't mean I, I don't believe you can necessarily polish your way to a national championship. At some point in time, it's just a fight, and it becomes about who wants it more and who is man enough to take it from the other side. And that's what the Georgia offensive line has shown you they are capable of doing. And even Cole Kublik right there in talking about why they didn't win the Joe Moore Award, he still kind of gives them credit for the the tenacity with which they play the game. 
And to me, it's that edginess that you have to have. We said we want to see that from Jalen Carter a moment ago. The Georgia offensive line has a chance to show you that on the other line of scrimmage there as well. You've got to be well coached. You've got to be under control and you've got to be polished. But there's also a certain kind of uh, recklessness that you have to approach a game like this with. You can't be scared to go out there and do that either. Last year, that's what Georgia kind of showed you on the way to toppling Alabama and taking home that national championship trophy and the list of names I just mentioned before. To me, they're going to be important in showing that Georgia can get that done again. The good news is on the list of guys that you need for Georgia to be able to go for two and 22, it is not a short one right now. There are a lot of potential candidates to play at their best when Georgia needs it most. That's why Georgia is the favorite to win the national championship. If the guys I just mentioned can play at their highest capability, winning that national championship again is exactly what Georgia's going to do. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and we're happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 945 for our first in 15 on dognation.com, the Dog Nation app, 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We're just happy to have you across all those video platforms, the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref, and we are available as a podcast wherever you find them, Apple, Spotify. We post the show at the worldfamousdognation.com. We just try to make the show as available as we can for you, and we are so happy and so thankful that so many of you pop over to be a part of all of that with us. And we're thankful to our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia there as well. They're longtime friends of ours here, and of course, around the holiday season, we're always grateful for those that help us keep the lights on and keep delivering our content each and every day. And we have no more faithful friends uh, than our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. They've been with us for a very, very long time, but they also can step up and provide you a lot there as well they can also be a great resource for you if you're dealing with foundation or waterproofing issues and you know this when you go down to the basement you see those cracks in like that floor or you see the wall cracks that can be a little bit of a sign and sometimes even a big sign that something's not quite right not quite the way it's supposed to be all the more reason that you ought to reach out to our friends at engineered solutions of georgia they've got an entire team of engineers on staff and what that means is that's a level of resource that nobody else in our market can provide to you to do the work that you need to solve the problem that you have. It's the same thing for waterproofing stuff, too. Sometimes just water gets in your house when it's not supposed to. It gets where it's not supposed to be, and you know how damaging that can be over the course of the long term. So reach out to our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia to help you get that problem taken care of. After all, Engineered Solutions of Georgia has the word solutions in its name. It's a solutions-based company. They're proud partners of UGA. I told you before, they're longtime friends of ours here at Dog Nation. So you're going to feel really good about doing business with them because they're good folks. And so I want you to call them. 678-ESOG now. That's 678-ESOG now. That'll get you in touch with Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Okay, we're going to talk to Connor Riley here in a moment. A lot to get to with Connor. Big names in the transfer portal. How relevant is that for UGA? We'll talk to Connor about that and a good bit more here in just a moment. Before that, though, let's set the stage for National Signing Day. In the beginning of the early signing period, let's go around the doghouse, presented today by Georgia's own credit union. I'm going to talk to you a little bit here about Kyron Jones. Jones is a guy that just took an official visit to Georgia uh, to kind of wrap up the uh, open period for recruiting. And he has now, as a response to that, and that's not just Georgia he's visited recently, he's also visited Nebraska too, but as he kind of makes his final decision, Jones has decommitted from his previous school. Let me show you this on the screen here for a moment. Uh, Kyron K.J. Jones says, after much thought and prayer, I've decided to decommit from North Carolina State University. And he goes on to say thanks to everybody, but he's opened up his recruitment. Now, here's something that's interesting to know. 
is that Jones is actually committed to NC State as a running back. Although if he were to come to a place like Georgia, which he just visited, I think the common perception here is he'd likely play defensive back here at UGA. That's what I'm kind of led to believe. And so I think you would assume here on the basis of having just recently visited Georgia and now decommitting from NC State that Georgia is very much in play for Jones. Now, maybe a school like Nebraska is also kind of involved in this, too, but it certainly seems like that Georgia has put a little bit of a big step forward on Jones here late in the process. And Jones would appear to be responding to this pretty well. Now, you're left to conclude, what does this mean for a guy like, say, Daniel Harris? Harris was a guy who had been locked up as a defensive back commit to Georgia, sort of surprisingly, at least I would say it was surprising, surprisingly decommitted from Georgia a few weeks ago. And we had kind of an immediate sense of, hey, Georgia's going to still keep recruiting this young man. They're going to still stay involved with Harris. My understanding is that has been very much the same story throughout this is that even though Harris stepped back from his Georgia pledge Georgia didn't step back from its recruitment of Harris the point here is is that it could be that Georgia really is the doorstep with Jones and maybe here this week Jones will announce his pledge to UGA but if that does happen I don't get the sense that that changes anything for Daniel Harris in fact Jeff Sintel's got a story up at dognation.com that involves both Jones and Harris and it sounds like according to Jeff the UGA is still in play for both of these guys so if you're thinking about what can happen for Georgia here this month the three-day period for the early signing period which begins tomorrow you know putting aside a guy like say Deuce Robinson uh the the, the tight end who may join Georgia come February but for this time right now sort of the names knows we mentioned yesterday it's a Damon Wilson it's a it's, it's a Jordan Hall uh, but it's also these two potential defensive backs there too Kyron Jones and also Daniel Harris potentially still being in the mix whether Jones decides to come to UGA or not so this is an interesting development this is a guy that Georgia has kind of rolled out the red carpet to recruit uh, Jones has at least thought enough of that experience to kind of back off his NC State pledge maybe he joins up with the UGA if it does maybe it changes the profile of him as a player maybe thinking of himself now more as a defensive back than a running back but clearly as we head towards the uh, remainder of this week Kyron Jones the former NC State commit now on the open market and a, apparently a target of Georgia this is indeed a name to watch and that is around the doghouse and it's presented today by our friends at Georgia's own credit union of course this week Georgia's doing a lot of shopping both in the transfer portal and in the recruiting market as it tries to put the finishing touches on its 2023 class and its roster for next season as well and many of you are making the same kinds of at least similar kinds of shopping decisions right now putting the finishing touches on those holiday gifts and all the stuff that you are buying right now and the really cool thing i want you to know is is that when you uh, get in touch with my friends at georgia's own credit union the experience you have of the merchandise that you're buying or the things that you're doing here during this time of year can be made better when you have one of those visa signature or platinum cards from our friends at georgia's own credit union because when you use the visa signature platinum card to buy the things you're already buying you're gonna have a lot of things that kind of come to you as an extra incentive on them Talk about flex rewards which can really be used for just about anything gift cards cash back travel merchandise and you can also earn up to 150 dollars when you open a new platinum or signature card there are some restrictions that uh, apply on this i want you to find out more by going to georgesown.org that's the word georgia spelled out georgesown.org for a lot more on that all right before we are done today we are going to get a chance to talk to the former georgia quarterback jake Fromm. there's a lot to discuss with jake jake certainly understands the time crunch this time of year as you're getting ready for the college football playoff at georgia he did that successful rose bowl trip they took to california so we'll talk to jake about how georgia's ma managing all that right now and a whole lot more but before that transfer portal recruiting 
uh, continued prep for the Buckeyes, everything else in between. Let's talk to Connor Riley here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by ESOG today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Boy, Connor, we got a lot to get to here, so let me jump right to it. I was just talking about Kyron Jones before you joined. Uh, he's obviously decommitted now from NC State, just took an official visit to a UGA recently. A lot of Georgia fans saw some photographic evidence of that. Uh, I guess he was committed to the Wolfpack as a running back. Sounds like he's a little bit more of a defensive back in the eyes of UGA. The sense I get here, both from reading Jeff Sintel and just kind of trying to keep your ear to the ground as much as you possibly can that jones decision one way or another is not necessarily going to impact a guy like say daniel harris who we believe that georgia would remain in the uh, mix for even after harris decommitted a few weeks ago it seems like georgia is still kind of interested in both these defensive backs here down the stretch is that the sense you get here too yeah i i think jones is more of maybe a safety prospect and might have perhaps some more high-end upside as opposed to where they view Harris. Uh, I think it's going to be really interesting and what all this also means for a guy like Smoke Bowie, who they are targeting out of the transfer portal. And, you know, I think you get two of those three guys, and and which two are they? I think that will get a good indication maybe of where things stand in terms of the way this roster shapes out in terms of pure numbers based on what Jones and Harris do tomorrow. They're both set to announce tomorrow. If they get both of them, uh, you know, you wonder, okay, maybe what does that mean for Smoke Bowie if Georgia's going to take him out of the transfer portal or is Georgia's going to continue to say, hey, these guys have extra runway as high school recruits. We get them for an extra year. We're going to bet on their development. Harris was in the class for a long time. And the fact that Georgia has still stuck with him even after the decommitment that he made last month, I think, speaks to how highly they want him in this class. I want to talk more about the transfer stuff here in a moment. Let me get kind of one more thing on the recruiting before we get there. You know, we have seen a lot of these kind of five-star battles for Georgia, especially on defensive names like Damon Wilson, one that will kind of come to an end tomorrow. Connor, I, I do feel like the Wilson scenario here for Georgia is pretty big. It's a position of need. I think Georgia needs as many elite edge rushers as it can get in the program. Wilson certainly has the look of one of those. But also to go head-to-head with a team like Ohio State and win a battle like this, I think that would kind of speak to the recruiting apparatus that's in place at Georgia right now, too, that that this would be, I think, a symbolic win for UGA, but also a very tangible win that might matter as well. I am watching the Damon Wilson thing very closely tomorrow, and as someone who's a fan of Georgia, if UGA wins this, I'm going to be celebrating pretty big. Yeah, I think edge rusher is probably the biggest need in terms of Guys, they just need to get bodies into the program. Guys that can play with Nolan Smith and Robert Beal moving out. They have not recruited this position great in recent years. And if they do land Damon Wilson, as they are currently, I believe, favored to do so, and you pair him with a Gabe Harris and you pair him with a Samuel and Pemba, that's about as strong as a signing class you can have at one position in this cycle. And so when you pair that along with the fact that you bring up that you'd be beating out an Ohio State program that has done a good job of developing edge rushers in, in, in the past decade, and you get a win like that, I think it's really a flex of Kirby Smart and this Georgia team's muscles that, hey, we're able to go in, and when we have positions in need with guys we need, like a Damon Wilson, we're able to go in, beat out another marquee program, and add one of the best prospects in the country there. And a guy in Wilson who, in hearing Justin Tell talk about him, is probably the more likely of the trio of potential edge rushers to come in and help out right away, which I think this group is absolutely going to need. As I mentioned earlier, Nolan Smith moving on to the NFL, Robert Beal as well. 
there's going to be a lot expected next year of Marvin Jones Jr. to come in and, and play a big role for that team. And so if George is able to land Damon Wilson, get him in, get him into the program because he is an early enrollee, and get him through spring practice, I do think that's going to help this team out tremendously. And that's why tomorrow I think all eyes should be on Wilson. Is that is one of the bigger recruiting sort of moments that we expect to come out of tomorrow. So let's talk transfer portal. I think it's really interesting right now. And since you brought him up a moment ago, this is where I'll begin with Deion Smoke-Bowie. And, you know, Connor, I think there's this kind of feeling that sometimes some folks get of when a guy like Bowie chose Texas A&M the first time around, I think that turns off some Georgia fans. Like, oh, if he wants to go out there, he's not made for Georgia. I don't, I don't want him. That's what some Georgia fans might say. And, like, the thing I say all the time is, is that when it comes to this kind of recruiting stuff, this sort of roster management stuff, you can't have thin skin. You really can't. And you can't have, you know, the potential to get your feelings hurt too easily on something like that. I do think that Bowie has the potential to be really valuable for what Georgia needs. I also think, if you want to just be super candid here, that post-national championship, uh, one of the spots where Georgia may still have some attrition is at the defensive back spot here, too. So looking at extra names there may uh, make some sense here. But if Georgia had a chance to get involved with Bowie, again maybe even especially because he's spent a year elsewhere and he kind of knows that the grass really isn't greener somewhere else and maybe he's kind of ready for the kind of the cultural demands that george is going to put on you as a player that i would certainly welcome a guy like Dion Bowie making the decision this time that maybe he should have made the first time and that's end up at a place like georgia yeah you know the the people out there that say oh, i don't want this kid you know he didn't choose this the first time around I, I think it's important to remember these guys are 17 16 18 years old when they're making these decisions and like, look, if Kirby Smart is, is thinks highly enough of Bowie that he still wants him, like that that, that should tell you all that you need to know uh, about what kind of player potentially Bowie is. And if Georgia's hosting him on a recruiting visit as they did this weekend, that that should signal pretty well that they think this is a guy that can absolutely come in and help them. And, and you, you know, yeah, Bowie didn't have a monster year at Texas A&M. He only played in seven games and wasn't a regular starter or contributor for them. But you're going to see this in college football going forward where guys that you recruited out of high school, and I wrote about this on Monday morning, they end up going elsewhere. You know, Kirby Smarter understands that. You know, you're not going to bat a 1,000 when you go out there and recruit guys. But things change. And, and like Justice Haynes, I think, in this current recruiting class is a perfect example of that where, you know, let's say things don't go for him in Alabama the way he envisions them and he enters the portal. He's absolutely a gifted enough player, and Georgia has a strong enough relationship there to where if he does enter the transfer portal, they're going to be a contender there because they have things on good terms with him, even though he's going to Alabama. I mean, I, I don't know if we want to get in these waters right now, but but Travis Hunter is another great example of oh, that yeah. point where, you know, again, elite talent. Georgia made, made it very clear that, hey, we want to have a relationship with you. We want to continue to recruit you. Yes, even though you're recruited or committed to Florida State this time last year. And yes, you ultimately signing at Jackson State. We're going to have a strong relationship with you and continue to build that and preach development here, even though we understand you might want to go elsewhere right now. Lo and behold, he enters the transfer portal on Saturday night, or Sunday night rather, and it seems like Georgia is in a very good spot to you know, compete to land him. And in my opinion right now, it seems like it's going to come down to either Colorado or Georgia to land a player of Hunter who I think when we have seen him play, and you know, I value Georgia high school football quite a bit, as I know you do as well. Sure. The list of players in recent years who are better than Travis Hunter is very small. And in fact, there might not be any names on it. So if you can go out there and add a player like that who can play both, I think, cornerback and wide receiver at an extremely high level, I think you absolutely have to do that, even understanding that, hey, these guys aren't always going to pick up the first time around. 
Yeah, you better believe I want to talk about the Travis Hunter thing for uh, for a number of reasons. A lot of these uh, for reasons you just mentioned. We played the audio yesterday of what Hunter himself said about Colorado, and I take him at his word on that. I, I don't think it's a given that he follows Dion to Colorado. I think he certainly could, but I don't believe it's a given that he will. And if it's not Colorado, then I guess I probably would put Georgia at the top of the list of the sort of non-Dion options for his services here. A, because I believe that his relationship with Georgia was a little bit better than people realized at the end of the recruiting cycle last year. And ultimately, it didn't matter because he didn't come to Georgia. But I do believe that Hunter had a pretty good relationship with UGA at the end of that recruiting cycle last season. And maybe now it's another second chance opportunity for him. And Connor, this was the nation's number one player like less than a year ago. To me, this would be an, an enormous win for Georgia if it could get Hunter. I take it pretty seriously they have a chance to. I'm certainly by no means predicting anybody to do anything because it's all very wild and difficult to uh, project right now. But I do believe that Georgia has a legit chance with Hunter, and I think it would be an enormous win if they could do it. In fact, it's such a big deal that Connor's actually speechless. I don't know if we lost Connor there on that. We'll see if we can get him back. Is, is Connor still here? Can you hear me now? I can Sorry. hear you now, yes. Button, I can. Yeah, button up first. Um, I, I think with Travis Hunter, even if you move you know, where he was as a recruit, you look at what Georgia has tried to recruit out of the transfer portal. It's wide receivers right now. Dominic Lovett visited. Rod Rod Thomas has visited. They're making a concerned effort to try and go out there and get wide receivers. Well, Travis Hunter is an incredibly gifted wide receiver and a guy that can come in and fill that role for Georgia in terms of what they're looking for, especially because I do think they're trying to look for guys that can play on the outside that are physical and gifted in that sense, because that's something they really missed this year. And I do think that, you know, if you're able next year to move Vlad McConkey back into the slot full-time and you pair him with A.D. Mitchell and, say, Travis Hunter on the outside, you really like what you potentially have there in your wide receiver room. And so I think in addition to just wanting to take a more talented player in Travis Hunter, the fact that he fills a need at that wide receiver position, I think makes it all the more enticing for Georgia to go out there and try and land him. And again, I don't think there's any real shame right now in Georgia going out there recruiting and trying to land a player in Travis Hunter. They, they're doing it clearly with Dominic Lovett out of Missouri. who was in town this past weekend. Rod Rod Thomas has taken a visit here. He looks like he will be remaining in the SEC at what school we don't know yet. But I think you've seen when you're going out there and recruiting the transfer portal and a guy comes along who's as talented as Travis Hunter and then doubles down and filling a major need for you, I think it absolutely makes a lot of sense for Georgia to go after him and plays a part in why Georgia's so well positioned to potentially land him right now. So you're saying something really interesting, which I hope you would be true, and this is obviously putting the cart way before the horse, is you know, you watch Celebration Bowl, you see things like this, or you watch him at Collins Hill when he was in high school. I mean, I would love for Georgia to consider Travis Hunter as a wide receiver. Now, as it stands right now, he's not coming to Georgia. This is a hypothetical conversation. But if he were to come here, I would hope that Georgia would view him as more than just a defensive back. I would hope they would view him as a wide receiver. Kind of the fluidity with which he plays the game, the way in which he runs routes and just kind of creates open space for himself. I think he's a really fun player to watch. Um, So in the event that he were to come here, I would hope that Georgia would see him either as a two-way player or as an offensive player. I'd love to see him get a chance on that side of the ball. Yeah, we really haven't seen Georgia, you know, dabble too much in the two-way player sort of, you know, possibilities here. You know, Malachi Starks, yes, he was listed as an athlete. He has not played a single snap of offense this year. Uh, you have to go way back to 2016 when they bring in Miko Hardman that first year. They play him as a defensive back at first, and they decide this guy's too explosive to keep off the offensive side of the ball. We're going to train him as a wide receiver, and he ultimately develops into a second-round pick there for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think while, yes, he has the potential to play two-way, with what Georgia has at the cornerback position and how little they rotate there, 
I don't think that Travis Hunter would necessarily be a two-way player if he were to come to Georgia, and I think they would want him to focus on that wide receiver position because even just looking into next year, you know, Kamari Lasseter is going to be back, and I think you really like what you have in him right now. Dalen Everett has really impressed this year, and I think he is the betting favorite right now, in my opinion, to be the starting quarterback and replacing Keely Ringo as he goes off to the NFL. But you've still got guys like Nyland Green, Julian Humphrey, Jaheim Singletary, not to mention A.J. Harris, who is already on campus and has the potential to be a five-star recruit in this recruiting cycle. They're so loaded at cornerback that I think that might actually help push Travis Hunter to that wide receiver position in a more full-time role should he ultimately end up deciding to come to Georgia, which is not been made yet so since we're way out on a limb let's just stay there for a moment do you think that the hunter scenario if we're viewing him as wide receiver we have now proclaimed that does that impact a rah-rah thomas a dominic love it those are the two receivers we've heard the most about you know guys like what was it cephas from uh, uh you know uh, and then uh, then uh, mccollum the, the tech receiver we haven't heard as much about them but we know that love it and rah-rah have visited uga do you think the presence of Hunter in this conversation changes anything else with these other receivers? I think it does in some sense. Uh, you know, there's the potential that they could take two wide receivers, and I think, you know, maybe they still might. But if Hunter is out there, they're definitely going to be willing to wait and want to try and get Travis Hunter and have him one of those options. And then you're going to have to decide between, you know, Dominic Lovett, who is more of a slot wide receiver, and Ra Ra Thomas, who is more physical and able to play on the outside. I think, and so. You know, we'll ultimately see those guys have both taken their visits. You currently can't take any more visits right now uh, as there is sort of a dead period in the transfer portal. And, and it'll be interesting to sort of see how the timelines for Thomas and Lovett and how quickly they want to get enrolled and started up in school are impacted by Hunter because as you played the, the audio, Hunter has made it pretty clear he wants to take his time with this a little bit and see how things play out. And so I expect that recruitment to go into the new year. Whereas I think maybe Thomas, from all indications I have heard, he is trying to get this done before January and, and love it, you know, possibly there as well. So it will be interesting to sort of see how the decisions that come from Lovett and Thomas ultimately signal to us about where things might be with Travis Hunter. Let me just do this to close things out. Open-ended here. We're going to hear from some Georgia players today. Obviously, next week is kind of game week, and it's going to be pretty busy for Georgia and Ohio State. But just give me kind of one sort of snapshot thought on where Georgia is in its preparations for the Buckeyes right now. Yeah, they're still sort of treating, I think, the early part of this week as sort of spring practice, uh, fall camp, where they're just really focusing on themselves you know, believing in going after their principles, working on scout team stuff, younger players getting reps. And as we get into Wednesday, Thursday, uh, before they break for Christmas, that's when you'll sort of start to see them ramp up the participation or, or the, the preparation, excuse me, for Ohio State there in that matter. But uh, this is a Georgia program that, you know, they've been through this a bunch of times now. They, they know what to expect in a college football playoff atmosphere. It's not so much new to them anymore. And so they know that, you know, these first couple of practices of the bowl period are meant for self-improvement, rather. And, and then the second half, and especially once they get to Atlanta after Christmas, that will be when they really start to focus in on Ohio State. Connor, great stuff. Thank you for being here today. And we'll look forward to, uh, obviously, uh, catching up with you again very soon. Of course, we hope you're getting ready to enjoy a great Christmas season with your family there as well. And uh, we'll talk to you again next time. Yep, as always, it's a pleasure. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, so good job there by Connor, kind of giving us a landscape on the recruiting stuff that's going on, the transfer portal stuff that's going on. Obviously, George in the midst of also getting ready for the college football playoff as well. So busy time for these dogs. And speaking of that college football playoff prep, we'll talk in a moment to uh, Jake Fromm. He knows what that schedule's like. He went through that in 2017. 
He'll give us a little bit of insight on how George is handling all that right now coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, let's get ready to go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And obviously, I'm excited about the Christmas season, but I'm also excited about the new year after that because that brings travel opportunities. It Dog Nation Cruise, obviously, on our list coming up this April when we're uh, on board Independence of the Seas. We're leaving out of Port Canaveral, and it's the 24th or the 28th of April. We're going to Nassau in the Bahamas, Perfect Day, Coco Cave. That's the private island getaway that's exclusive to those on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation, and it's going to be such a great time. So I want you to learn more about this. Our friend Jessica Slater's got a great website for you. It's royaldogs.com. That's royaldogs.com. You can go there and you can get plugged in on everything that's going to be happening on that Dog Nation cruise. You can also give Jessica a call too. 770-718-9147. 770-718-9147. She's a real person. You can talk to her. Uh, she'll answer all your questions about you know this dog nation cruise and why it's going to be such a fun time and we'll go ahead and get you locked in to be a part of it with us as so many other folks have already done it's going to be a great experience but i also want you to think about your other royal caribbean cruise vacation opportunities my entire family taking a big cruise together in february that's something we're really excited about and for us it's the anticipation having something to look forward to that's almost as much fun as anything else so you can have the same kind of fun that we are getting ready and excited about our royal caribbean cruise vacation when you uh, talk to jessica and get locked in all that royal caribbean's got some great itineraries here as we head towards 2023 and then don't forget january of 2024 icon of the seas debuts and it's not too soon to start thinking about that there as well in fact you saw some videos showing off icon of the seas a moment ago all right so before we talk to jake from let's get into all of the sec stuff that's going on here and some of this kind of adjacent to the sec a bit first of all there's transfer news yesterday we talked to you about grayson mccall the former coastal carolina quarterback who was supposed to visit auburn this past weekend canceled his visit to auburn and now there are new rumors kind of popping up here that maybe mccall could be in play for florida now here's the one thing we do know and this is not being funny this is being serious is that uh, things are not going great for Billy Napier at Florida right now. Another losing season on the field for the Gators. It's Napier's first, but it's Florida's most recent back-to-back years here. And obviously, they were humiliated in the bowl game, lost to Oregon State. And yet, the recruiting class in 2023 is ultimately not going to be all that much better than anything that Dan Mullen would have done. You know, near the bottom of the top 10, you've had some recruiting wins. You've lost out on some guys, seemingly from an NIL standpoint, to Miami. But you know, despite the fact that you've got, you know, some names of note, this is not going to be a huge recruiting class for the Gators. They still have a chance to battle Georgia for Jordan Hall. We'll see how that plays out on Thursday, but it is not trending in a great direction for Florida here right now. So if the Gators are going to be competitive at all on the field for the upcoming season, the transfer portal is going to have to be a big part of that. And I've said before that I believe that Florida wanted to be more active in the portal a year ago. They just couldn't. They didn't have a ton of guys leave as many as maybe they thought they were going to. And maybe more important than that, the transfer portal just wasn't quite as deep as they were hoping it would be. So if Grayson McCall really does land at Florida, I do think that's a good quarterback. I think he was had a very good career at Coastal Carolina. That could be an example that Napier is trying to utilize the portal in such a way to maybe make Florida more competitive sooner than they otherwise would be if they're just relying on the talent they have right now because you saw their backup second and third string guys were not capable of being competitive with Oregon State if that's the case that does not speak to what you might be able to do here in the SEC certainly and then a story that we wanted to try to cover yesterday just didn't have time to the former starting quarterback at Texas A&M Haynes King is now transferred to Georgia Tech so Buster Faulkner is about to be Georgia Tech offensive coordinator is going to have a quarterback with like high level college experience to work with now unfortunately King's (laughs) 
track record for success isn't very robust, but he has played a pretty good bit. So I would say that this is a pretty big win for Tech. For the most part, it's a better quarterback we're used to seeing them have. Jeff Sims obviously left the program. Uh, he was looking to move on, and we've kind of seen Tech be mostly uh, – <laughs> There have been a lot more transfer exports under that program. There have been imports to the program. So having a guy of king stature coming to Atlanta is probably in a roundabout way a, a pretty big win for the Yellow Jackets. We've also seen Bo Nix decide to stay at Oregon. There have been some thought of, would he transfer again? Would he go on to the NFL? Would he do something along those lines? Well, he's actually going to stay at Oregon. So from that standpoint, Dan, uh, Dan Lanning gets himself a little bit of a win there in Eugene, but that was only a brief precursor to what turned out to be a pretty bad day for the Ducks yesterday because you kind of move on to the class of 2023 quarterbacks who are making some noise. Dante Moore, who had been a huge quarterback commit for the Oregon program, uh, this probably has more to do with Kenny Dillingham leaving than it does Bo Nix coming back. Dillingham, as you may know, left as Oregon offensive coordinator to go become Arizona State head coach. And maybe this had been kind of rumored to be in the mix for a while. It became official yesterday. Dante Moore, the quarterback commit to the Ducks, has flipped his decision to UCLA. Now, UCLA is also kind of pretty busy. They just brought in the Kent State quarterback, I think, from the transfer portal. Uh, they've been rumored to be in the mix for other transfer names but they have flipped more away from Oregon. It's not a great recruiting class for UCLA right now, but Moore says he wants to play for Chip Kelly, so they get that big recruiting win. Another flip that's out there, Marcel Reed, who's a pretty big-time quarterback out of Nashville, had been committed to Ole Miss. He flipped to Texas A&M and has kind of cited NIL maybe is one of the reasons why he's done that. Lane Kiffin's been on social media kind of talking about that. So a little bit of a high-profile flip within the SEC with Reed leaving the Ole Miss class, going to Texas A&M. I'm just telling you, uh, Lane Kiffin, for whatever you want to say about him as a coach, he is a disastrous high school football recruiter. They've obviously been a little bit of a destination for transfers, but Kiffin just cannot seem to figure it out when it comes to high school football recruiting. He blames all of it on NIL. Maybe, Maybe that is the sole reason why they just can't seem to get recruits out of high school. But man, if you want to be the big-time coach at the big-time level, it seems like you've got to have a little more success recruiting high school players than what Lane Kiffin is kind of proven to have. So uh, that's out there. A couple other stories here real quick. Uh, Dylan Rayola, that's the 2024 quarterback, elite five-star name, had been committed to Ohio State. As you know, over the course of the weekend, he decommitted from the Buckeyes. That's a uh, pretty big deal here. A lot of the Ohio State folks are going to cite this as a, what they kind of think of as a little bit of a poorly built-out NIL. They've kind of blamed that for some of their 2023 recruiting misses or what they believe are going to be recruiting misses, and that's obviously kind of the highlight here for them on this this issue with Rayola for the class of 2024. Dylan's also got close ties right now to the Nebraska program, family ties, things like that. Nebraska has a pretty robust NIL uh, situation. Some folks wonder, could Georgia get back involved with Rayola? My guess is probably not. I'm not a recruiting reporter, but my, I guess, safest bet is that Rayola probably lands in a place like Nebraska more likely than a place like Georgia. I think they had their shot with him, and I think it missed. So uh, from that standpoint, I'm not quite guessing that's going to be the way it goes with uh, Dylan Rayola, but he is back on the open market, and that is a little bit of an issue there for Ohio State. And then uh, Travis Williams has been hired as the new Arkansas defensive coordinator. Some folks have been wondering about that job because there had been some rumors that Trey Scott could be in the mix for that. Well, that job has now been filled with the former Auburn assistant Travis Williams taking over there at Arkansas. I was going to do something else in the bowls. We'll just kind of save that. Let me just say this really quickly. Uh, I think that uh, Toledo minus the three and a half may be worth a look against Liberty today and maybe the under in the game in Boise between uh, San Jose State and Eastern Michigan. <laughs> I gave you two winners over the weekend with my bowl picks. And so I'm thinking about Toledo today 
and probably under in the uh, whatever game that's called there in Boise. So uh, keep that in mind. We'll make that cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And of course, here on Dog Nation Daily on Tuesdays, we love doing our Kroger Fresh Tag, getting a chance to speak to the former Georgia quarterback, Jake Fromm. Uh, Jake has obviously been through as a player at Georgia what these dogs are getting ready to go through right now, which is getting ready for the college football playoff and the challenge of facing a team like Ohio State. Jake kind of knows what that's like. Uh, Jake once went head to head in a big quarterback battle against uh, Baker Mayfield. Mayfield that year was the Heisman Trophy winner. And frankly, I thought that Jake Fromm had a great day in Pasadena that day against uh, the Oklahoma Sooners and, uh, and and Baker Mayfield. It was a big win for these uh, dogs back then. And Georgia's also trying to kind of follow in those footsteps with getting another national semifinal win against the Ohio State Buckeyes coming up on New Year's Eve. So for that and a whole lot more, let's talk to uh, Jake Fromm here as part of our Kroger Fresh Take here right now. Jake, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, Merry Christmas to uh, you. Appreciate you being here, and I hope you're doing well. Hey, Brandon, what's going on? Thank you for having me. Uh, Merry Christmas as well. Uh, Great week. No doubt about that. And um, we were just talking a moment ago about you have kind of done what these Georgia players are trying to do right now, that – that that month of December, getting ready for the college football playoff, you guys obviously traveled out west. You beat Oklahoma. Give us a little bit of an idea about how these practices feel right now. Is it different because it's later in the year? Is it different because it's several weeks worth of buildup? What's it like being a Georgia player right now going through these playoff prep practices that makes it maybe different than the regular week-to-week practices you're doing during the season? Yeah, uh, definitely with Coach Smart, you really have to test your mindset um, because it's going to be physically, it's going to be it's going to be physical. It's going to have some really mentally tough practices coming up. Uh, really, kind of close to camp style practices. Uh, this is a lot of time for for young guys to get in and get some reps for them to develop. Uh, and it's also time to uh, to get back on track and, and get going uh, for this playoff game they have coming up. So uh, these practices are not not cakewalk practices. They're not your normal. Uh, middle of the week practices. I mean, uh, this is getting after it pretty good. This is good on good, ones on ones. Uh, there's going to be a lot of guys get better here in the coming time. We were talking also about the uh, Rose Bowl itself. And listen, Georgia won a national championship now. But for me, when you make a list of the most important games this program has played, the most enjoyable games of my lifetime this program has played, that game in Pasadena has to be one for me. Jake, you're kind of still in the midst of your football career. You're obviously in the NFL and doing things like that. But but do you ever allow yourself to sort of stop and appreciate, wow, I played in that game, and frankly, I played well in that game, and it was a great win for my program, great win for my team. How much do you allow yourself to ever go back and reminisce about moments like that? I can say for us as fans, we do a lot of that, thinking back on a fun moment like that. Do you ever allow yourself to sort of stop and appreciate a moment like that that you had a chance to be a part of? <laughs> not not quite yet, um, man, but what what a game that was. I remember being in it. Uh, I remember them going up late in the fourth quarter and and us needing to uh, drive and score and go back ahead or tie it up. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, like, hey, if I want to be uh, a great quarterback, if I want to be a guy, if I want to be uh, whoever I want to become as a quarterback, well, now now's the time to do it. And i got to go down and score. And uh, we did. Thankfully, we ended up winning the game. Uh, man, it was an awesome football game, awesome week, uh, beautiful place to play. The fans were great. They traveled. It was, man, uh, what, just what a surreal moment. Um, and I hadn't really got time to really appreciate it, but uh, still playing, still doing things. And, uh, but, man, what, a, what an experience. How much, I'm sure for the players, probably more fun, for the coach, it's probably pretty frustrating that 
when you're in a situation like that, it's a full week's worth of activities. You're going to like, you know, the, the restaurant oh, yeah. for the big prime rib dinner and you're kind of doing all yep. the kind of touring, you go to Disneyland, you know, how much of, of that is frustrating for the coaches to know that it can't just be business trip all about football because you've got these like <laughs> sort of like, you know, photo op things you got to do there as well. I'm sure for a hard driving coach like Kirby and the assistants that he yeah. hires, the, a scenario like that, and George is going to experience some of this next week in Atlanta too, by the way, a scenario like that's going to be a little bit weird for a program like UGA, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, and honestly, I, I think with it being in Atlanta, uh, that uh, I, I think you really don't have to worry. It's either one or the other, where you don't have to worry about all the distractions or you have to worry about them even more because we're, we're in our backyard and people know people and uh, there's so many extra things to do because they know where they're at. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of one or the other, on my opinion, of the spectrum, however way you want to look at it. Um, but uh, I, I know with Kirby, he'll have them focused up. Uh, hey, you know, come in, get your work in, and then you can go, you know, quote unquote, play for a couple hours. But we got we got to come back. Uh, focused up, and we got work to do. Yeah, to be, between you and me, to be honest with you, I think Kirby may be worried about uh, Buckhead and the Buckeyes, if you get my point. Yeah, yep, <laughs> yep, yep, no doubt, no doubt about that. Speaking of Ohio State, as a quarterback and as a guy who understands offensive football, obviously that's one of the things that Ohio State does really well. C.J. Stride's a Heisman finalist. they get got this unbelievable list of wide receivers. Marvin Harrison Jr. is the guy that stepped up for them this year. As someone who kind of knows what you're looking at when you see offensive football, what do you see when you see Ohio State? Day. Yeah, explosiveness. I mean, they got they got guys all over the all over the board who can who can go up, make plays, uh, extend the field vertically. Um, I mean, just 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 pick one, throw it up, and, and they'll make a play. So uh, that's just you can't lose focus as a defensive back in a game like this because at any given moment they can make a make a play, a sixty yard bomb, an eighty five yard touchdown, and uh, it just it completely changes the, the, the whole nature of the game. So you got to be uh, dialed in uh, for four quarters, uh, maybe even more, who knows, um, to, to be ready to play because these guys can do it. Last week, one of the things that got a lot of attention is something that Todd McShay, the ESPN draft analyst, said about Jalen Carter, kind of talking about his character issues, whatever else. For Georgia fans and, frankly, the media close to this team, that was something we'd never heard before. And I think a lot of folks were frustrated the guy like McShay would go on TV and say something like that without really seemingly anything to back that up. You know, right. Jake, as a player yourself, I'm, I'm sure that's also frustrating for you, too, because you don't quite have the same platform to defend yourself. If you're Jalen Carter, it doesn't do you any good to sort of step up and speak about that. You just sort of have to, like, I guess, kind of let it go in one ear and out the other. But, man, as someone who understands what it's like to be a player and have things like this maybe said about you going into a uh, draft process, I, I'm, I'm guessing you were probably a little frustrated on Carter's behalf on something like that. Yeah, you said it. It's frustrating. Um, if you're going to say something like that, in my opinion, have some receipts to, to back it up. Um, uh, as far as Jalen, every time I've come in contact with Jalen, he's been the most awesome person. Uh, you can tell he's a competitor. When I talked to him you know, after the Missouri game about that kind of cheap hit they had on him, man, he was itching to come back. He was in the training room. Um, all the teammates I've ever spoken to about Jalen have loved him. So uh, I, I, I don't know where this is coming from. I, I love Jalen. I think he's a baller. and. Um, yeah, I think he deserves all the the praise he 
uh, he gets uh, for being, you know, mentioned in the, as a top pick in this next year's draft. So to finish thing, I, I think it's well said, Jake, and I'm glad to have you say that. I want to ask you one question about kind of what's going on with you here in a moment. Before that, though, let me remind folks that uh, it's the uh, Kroger Fresh Take with uh, Jake Fromm here right now, the great former Georgia quarterback who shares so many terrific things with us on the uh, program here each and every week, and it's all made possible because of our friends at Kroger. So we're thankful to have them as a part of what we're doing here today. And don't forget, you're making memories here this holiday season, and Kroger wants to be a part of all of that with you you can find your gifts and the decor and the food that you need for the meal all of that right now right there at your local Kroger including right now you can get buy one get one free on Russell Stover candies and assorted holiday cards so great savings going on at Kroger right now go to Kroger.com slash holiday for all of your holiday shopping needs that's Kroger.com slash holiday for all of those holiday shopping needs right there at your local Kroger so Jake we haven't actually checked on with you uh, lately about how things are going there in Washington you enjoying yourself and I guess also knowing the fact that you're kind of in the midst of you know working hard and doing what you're doing uh, are you getting a chance to enjoy much Christmas here as we head towards the Christmas weekend. What's that going to be like for you? Yeah, uh, it's going to be a fun week coming up. Uh, doing well. Thank you for asking. Uh, we go out west this week to play the 49ers on Christmas Eve. So we get to see my former roommate and teammate, Charlie Warner. That's great. Uh, playing for the uh, 49ers. So that'll be fun. Um, but yeah, we, we, we're flying back and I get in early Christmas morning. So uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. It's, all, it's always kind of uh, uh, fun uh, just with scheduling, uh, playing football on Christmas and um, but uh, get to see my wife. She'll fly in on Christmas. So nice. uh, we, we get to do the things uh, as much as we can, uh, be with family. And, uh, man, I, I love this time of year. Nothing better. I know uh, Charlie's a big outdoorsman such as yourself. My guess is he's probably not having much success finding, like, say, duck blinds or fishing holes out there in the Bay Area. Probably not quite known for that quite as much. I, t- I tell you what, it's so funny you mentioned that because uh, they played on Thursday this past week. He got a couple days off. He actually found some buddies up there. He got to go duck hunting. He sent it to you know all us buddies in the friend uh, group message, and uh, man, they, uh, they they got after it pretty good. Kind of jealous of him, to be quite honest. Well, that's good to uh, hear. He got out, but it's good. It's good for him because he didn't get it much out there. That's good to hear, Jake. We appreciate your time. Uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to you. Uh, safe travels, and uh, we'll look forward to getting a chance to talk to you again very soon. Yeah, Brandon. Thank you, guys. Merry Christmas. Good stuff there from Jake Fromm. Love talking to him about some of those great moments. You can understand this. Hey, when you're still in the midst of playing, uh, it's a little bit hard to remember, or I should say not remember, but it's a little bit hard to want to stop and kind of appreciate what you've actually been going through. And frankly, there's probably an aspect of this as a player where to think about it too much maybe makes you less likely to actually achieve what you need to achieve. There's a certain kind of flow state you need to be in to go out there and, and be at your best. But uh, thankfully, those of us who kind of lived through that 2017 playoff run and kind of mirroring what Georgia's trying to do now, which is get a big win, uh, kind of in reverse, right? You know, in, in this case, Georgia wanting California to come back to Atlanta, and now they're going to try to win in Atlanta to get out to California. But obviously, Georgia, two for two when it comes to national semifinal appearances in the college football playoff and looking to make that a third with a win against Ohio State coming up. Now, by the way, speaking of getting some wins here this holiday season, obviously we hope the dogs are able to do that, but we hope that you are able to do that too when it comes to getting that shopping list finished off. And those final people are always kind of tough to buy for, right? It's always kind of tough to figure out what do you get for so-and-so. Well, this is where our friends at Marlowe's Tavern have a great idea for you. You can get some great holiday gift uh, purchases with our friends at Marlowe's right now by getting one of these Marlowe's Tavern gift cards. Now, this is one of those things we've been doing with you for a long time. Many, many years we've been telling you about this. Uh, Marlowe's Tavern gets extra generous during the holiday season. They roll out the red carpet from a hospitality standpoint all throughout the year, but extra generous here during the holiday season because when you get a $50 
Marlowe's Tavern gift card as a special thank you to you. They're going to give you a bottle of Michelle Brut sparkling wine. Wait, ready to celebrate the new year or to celebrate Georgia getting a big win. That Michelle Brut sparkling wine goes well with whatever celebration you have going on here at this time of year. But that's not all. In addition to that offer, if you'll also get a $100 Marlowe's Tavern gift card, not only do you get the Michelle Brood Sparkling Wine, but you also get a bonus $20 Marlowe's Tavern gift card there as well. And you've heard me say this before. My thought would be, hey, you give out the $100 gift card to somebody, you keep the $20 gift card for yourself, because that's great savings when you go to your local Marlowe's Tavern and enjoy the, the Michelle Brood Sparkling Wine, or maybe you give that to somebody else. Either way, you can figure that out. But Marlowe's Tavern, a great way to take care of all of your holiday gift-buying needs right now. So just go to marlowstavern.com for more information on that marlowstavern.com or just stop by and see the tavern right there in your neighborhood all right so let's do some uh, golden shoes here today and one of the topics that we've addressed here a lot lately is the fact that i have really fallen in love i should have asked jake from if he had one of these but i've really fallen in love with these georgia letter jackets they look just like the letter jacket from your high school except it's the georgia letter jacket and we talked about john stinchcomb having one of those and we showed some photographic evidence the other day of matt stinchcomb obviously having one of those and all the former georgia lettermen presumably do have one well guess what it's letter uh, people from other sports that seem to have them there as well because we'll give out a golden shoe here to evil coach yeah or i should say fake coach yeah who shares with this with me on twitter here's maria taylor of course you know her from nbc sports and her letterman's jacket at the national championship game he says we're gonna definitely have to get you one of those for the show when we go back to back and he says hashtag go for two and 22 which coach yeah i'd love to have one of those indeed i'm actually kind of wearing my uh cardigan sweater here today that's a little bit like the leather uh, the the leather jackets uh so i guess kind of in keeping with all of that but by the way speaking of maria taylor in addition to giving evil coach yeah a golden shoe for his shout out for maria taylor we're gonna give maria taylor a golden shoe there as well because as our buddy mark weiser showed us on twitter this week that maria taylor passed out some georgia football helmets uh to give to the uh, commanders players uh deron Payne and jonathan allen both two former alabama players so maria kind of having some fun with their expense now that the dogs the reigning national champion so good job for maria doing that on national television good job by evil coach yeah showing off her in her uh letter jacket too which does make me incredibly jealous i do have the cardigan sweater here which is pretty close to that uh so i guess i'll have to sort of live with that for right now but but golden shoes to go all the way around on that and by the way lousy stinking get uh gators the only letter that matters in their life is the l right now because they are taking a bunch of them and 312 days from right now they're going to take another one that is our gatorator countdown and we'll see all of you back here tomorrow for dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia we'll look forward to talking to you then